1: Money Starts right now, live in the NASDAQ market site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Tim Seymour. Still in Sin City. Huh. <laughs> Not Didn't coming Didn't quite back. make it back, huh? All right, tonight on Fast, nah. Facebook could be facing regulation as reports of turmoil at the top dominate the news feed. Are fresh faces in the C-suite the only thing that can get the social giant back on track? We've got the details. Plus, the trade trauma continues as competing headlines give investors whiplash The president pumping up the possibility of a deal while White House officials tamper down expectations. So what is really priced into the market? We'll break it down. We start off with the cracks in the market spreading. That's right. You've got semis getting slammed after Nvidia's disastrous earnings report takes down tech darlings. Plus retail is starting to fall apart and we're starting to see high yield bonds deteriorate. Two things that were holding up well while the rest of the market sold off in October. So are these cracks about to break the market? Just how bad could things get? Dan
2: Nathan. Yeah, so I really like how you framed the question. It really is about the market. It's not as much about the economy. There's a lot of these sectors that you could have looked at, like semiconductors that you mentioned, that topped out way earlier in the year, back in March. And we saw some weakness in home builders all year. We saw the banks top out in the first half of the year. And I'm not certain, when you thought about what GDP was that we just had in the middle of the year, that that was really indicative of what was going on in our economy. But you're talking about the market. And I think that's really important right now. And the most important thing, I think, is very clear is MAGA. It's the MAGA complex. The Microsoft, the <laughs> Apple. The Google, the Amazon. I'm going to give Cramer a little nod and Fed too, because we started to see the breakdown in all of those stocks. And without that leadership, this market's not. But if the Fed
3: stops, does MAGA and the rest of the breakdown stop as well? Is it hinging on that? Is it hinging on? Is it hinging on just the Fed? Is it hinging on trade? I think the the cracks and the things that were the last or the last ones to fall, incredibly unhealthy for the overall market, makes me worried that we're watching a, a, a bigger collapse than any of
4: us probably had even thought would happen. Yeah, I think it's more than, I mean, the Fed's part of it, trade's part of it, but also when you look at what the expectations are, guidance for the next couple of quarters, it's not as great as market as investors expected. And so the stock market is going to look out six months, a year ahead of time, and the stock market right now is saying, hey, wait a second, maybe this is good as we get. And we've talked about the fact that the bond market's telling you a different story. Bond market tells you, you know what? The economy's pretty good. We are We don't have a lot of inflation. Economy's not so bad. Stock market, completely different story. GDP, as Dan brought up, that's a backward-looking indicator. We know that there was an inventory push ahead of these tariffs. So there are multiple factors here. And on the downside, the problem is nobody can find a positive catalyst at this point.
1: Tim, things getting worse, <clears throat> things getting better.
4: Well, you know, it,
5: I, I actually think that the market is telling us a little bit about the economy. I look at where bond yields are, 306 on the 10-year, that's six straight days lower on yields. And it's certainly telling you that the market is concerned about growth. The good part of that is if people believe that it takes the Fed back. But, but I, as I like to say, a, a growth scare is much worse than an inflation scare. Um, and I think people are still concerned that the Fed is along a path until we hear otherwise. Um, and therefore, y- yeah, I, I think this week was very interesting. Again, very important level, by the way, on the 10. 10- that was used you know that that had been kind of the resistance level uh it's where we've come back to settle in if yields sell through 306 next week uh, you know that's an indictment yesterday's retail sales numbers were okay Um, but i think as we've talked about on the desk you have a dynamic here where yes wages are better jobs are a plenty but the reality of higher taxes uh, higher rates um, and certainly feed through on consumer prices is something that I think the I, consumer is grappling I, with I right think this, now.
1: This is an interesting conundrum here, right? Because the markets got a little testy when we approached 323 three or, or so. And now here we are going to the downside. If we slice yeah. through three, then that's a problem of another magnitude. Well, right we, there. we've
2: actually discussed this, that if the Fed were to kind of pull back, what would that mean for the market? Would it be bullish for equities? Uh, you know, the, just a more dovish stance. And, and obviously, they've been raising a quarter point for uh, a quarter uh, for the last few years. Um, I think it would be taken the wrong way. I, I just want to make one point about some of the action. You mentioned retail. Mm-hmm. I think this week, the most important thing that happened in the equity markets was the reaction of Home Depot and the reaction of Walmart to and earnings. Yeah. That should have been Macy's, Home no.
3: Depot, Walmart, uh, those right. were
2: good, Okay earnings, yeah. and they were greeted with Macy's off 20%, Home sure. Depot off 7 Walmart off 8 I, I, But what I think it's telling you is that literally the on the anniversary of these tax cuts, as we get to it next month, that the, the U.S. consumer is like the last thing holding up the entire global growth story at a time where you have this headwind of trade that might make consumer goods here in America more expensive yeah. as the tax yeah. cuts are abating.
5: Tim. But I, I, I guess you know, I, I feel the need to take the other side, not only because this is a show with usually a healthy debate. Um, and, and I agree that there are some headwinds. And in fact, I, I'd like to think that when the tax deal was done um, and everybody said this is a, a, an ephemeral kind of an impact on corporate earnings, I don't think it was. I thought you actually front loaded a lot of it. But, but to be clear, I don't think the economy's falling off a cliff. I think the good news is that people are actually starting to question whether companies are going to grow. I don't think the S&P is going to grow at 7% next year. But right now, as I say, I think the dynamics are you have repriced a fair amount of risk. Um, and and I, I think equities are starting to get to a place where some of that is reflected in a positive way.
1: And so when you say reprice a lot of risk, that's risk from the Fed and risk from trade?
5: Well, look, I, I, I think the Fed, I think what Dan was saying, and I, I, I believe, but therefore I agree, with uh, bad news is actually bad news right now. If the Fed steps out of the picture, I'm not right. sure uh, that's oh. what we really want to see. I, I actually want to see yields back at three and a quarter, even though uh, where no. you started asking these questions, which was, no. wasn't that a double spot? Here's the spot? debate. Here's, the debate. There.
1: Here's a split screen. It's so, Russell versus Tim. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so I I,
3: I actually agree with what you, you came out, your first statements, that when you look at that 2940 in the S&P and you look at where rates were, and now you look where rates are going. IF RATES CONTINUE HIGHER, YOU HAVE SPLIT CONGRESS, NO MORE PRO GROWTH, NO MORE LOWER REGULATION. WE CAN'T GET BACK TO 2940 ANYMORE. THE CALCULUS CHANGES FOR THE S&P.
5: Well, you know, taking a, a, a level on the S&P and equating it with where we are with taxes and, and, and the global economy, I'm not sure what to do. Um, I do think Apple at 185, uh, and Apple has been well, a big part of where a lot of people now feel the market has lost leadership, um, is pretty interesting story fundamentally. Uh, I actually think Apple's a buy here. And I actually think that people on some level have overreacted to this concern about either shipments or this is stuff we probably knew about Apple two months ago when we loved Apple. So I think the good news is that actually uh, markets have given stocks a bit of a beating here and some of these companies are going to have a great holiday season. I, I, I believe that will be the case.
4: Well, and if that's the case, though, and to Tim's point, the way the markets come down, we have sold off an awful lot. There is a potential for some kind of a relief rally. That doesn't have to mean that we're going to new highs, doesn't have to mean that we're in a bear market, the bear market's ending. All it means is that sentiment right now has shifted to the one side of the boat. I agree with Dan that bad news seems to be bad news for the market. But as we know, sentiment can shift very quickly. I still think the Fed meeting in December is critical here, not because of what they do, but because of what they say. If they can do a dovish hike, meaning raising rates and kind of talk down what's going on, if the market is down at these lows, you have the potential for a snapback rally.
1: All right. um, Speaking about shifting sentiment, let's move on to the other big story of the day, conflicting trade headlines. Those spark market moves in every direction. Let's head to Eamon Javers at the White House, where he's been tracking the trade turmoil. Eamon.
6: Yeah, Melissa, we were going in every direction here at the White House today, too, just trying to figure out exactly what the president meant earlier today. He was in the Oval Office. He was asked by reporters about the China trade picture, where we stand in negotiations. Here's what he said uh, that gave the market a sense that there might be some room for optimism here. Take a listen.
5: We put on tariffs on $250 billion worth of goods, and we have another $267 billion to go if we want to. We may not have to do that. China would like to make a deal. Uh, Our
3: country has done very well, and China, as you know, has not done very well.
6: So the president there saying we may not have to do that. That is, we may not have to put on the additional tariffs that the president's been discussing as a possibility. It gave a lot of people the sense that there might be something behind the scenes. But when you talk to aides here, as I have, White House officials uh, immediately after those comments were cautioning, you know, look, the president here is simply expressing general optimism about the negotiations with the Chinese. Things have been going uh, well this week. No major concessions, nothing impending behind the scenes. They say no deal imminent, but the president's in an optimistic, Optimistic frame of mind, they are talking. And everyone here looking ahead to that G20 meeting uh, at the end of this month, in which the president and Xi Jinping uh, will have a face to face meeting, if there's going to be a deal, uh, folks here speculate that it would be around that time, uh, not this week or next.
1: Eamon, you know, earlier this week it had been reported that perhaps the vice premier of China would make a D.C. visit to resume talks with the Treasury secretary. Is there any word on what the next steps are?
6: Well, they've been exchanging letters, right? So we had this interesting moment this week when the U.S. side received a letter from the Chinese. And, and what folks here tell me about that is that that's an indication that those talks are going on behind the scenes, that they are exchanging uh, you know, things in writing, uh, but that no major concessions have been offered so far by the Chinese side. So we'll see if things heat up next week. You know, Remember, uh, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. The president's going to be going to Mar-a-Lago uh, for the holiday. So uh, it's not clear how much momentum there is going into the Thanksgiving week, but uh, we'll see in the early part of next week. Anything can happen around here.
1: <laughs> That's the understatement of the year. Eamon, That's thank right. you. <laughs> you Eamon Javers at the White House. So it's been weeks of this dramatic back and forth. Why are we still seeing such fierce market reactions uh, to these trade headlines? Have
3: you have to. I mean, really? I think BK said, it, I think you said yesterday that there's, there's almost a Trump put. Every time the market is negative, you always see one of these uh, tweets or you see a headline flash out. How can you, if you are a short seller, sit on your heels when you see a headline like that with the ramifications to the overall market, it could rip
4: higher if there's an actual deal that gets So done. just to be clear, I, I did not mean that as a good thing, that there's that every time that the that market is, goes lower. Did, but no, no, strange. I'm just trying to yeah. clear it up. I'm just trying to clear it up that I don't think it's a good thing that every time the market goes down, we get a tweet or a statement that, hey, trade's getting better. Then a couple hours later, somebody else comes out and says, you know what, no, trade isn't getting better, or it's not as far as long as we thought. At some point, you erode the confidence of the market. I think this is a terrible strategy, and frankly, I think it needs to stop for the health of the market. I think
1: you're seeing it again. Once we see more and more of these headlines come out, I feel like the market reaction is less and less. Less We're getting a little bit
2: more inured to it. Yeah, and I think it also sets the stage that we get to Argentina, we get to the G20, nothing happens, and then what does that mean for the market? Because then that put is really not there, and then we have to start focusing. On the Fed again, and then we know that this president really doesn't like. start doing- to look at tariffs coming back into place again because if nothing right. happens, right. then all of
3: a sudden he starts to bark a little bit louder, so- President Trump, and then we start to think about the uh, the other sec- section, 267, uh, basically coming on again on tariffs, not in June mm-hmm. but in January, and the market will react. The same way it would sell off.
1: Here's an interesting, interesting question, at least I think, because it's my question, we'll Tim. Judge- <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. All right. It's um, got to be interesting. I'm looking so forward G20 to it.
1: So G20 comes and goes. Do we sell off or do we just sort of, you know, fiddle around at these levels? I mean, is that going to be a, a reason to sell the market?
5: Well, if, if markets had a lot of confidence in G20, I think you'd see it in markets now. Um, and, and therefore, uh, I don't know that G20 coming and going is going to be a sell the market dynamic, hey, we walk in, uh, this is awful. What everybody's saying here, though, is be careful about as we get into next year. And I, I will continue, just, even though I'm trying to sound constructive on the market, I, I would like to paint the picture of 2016 Q1 light. Um, is what this market could face if you tack on 25 percent? You've got a Fed that might be moving too aggressively into mm-hmm. slower growth. You've got a dollar that's running out of control. Um, so, so, and by the way, everybody thought we were going to have a year-end rally. Everybody thought we were going to have this seasonal dynamic, this post midterm election dynamic. Guess Not what? Over yet. We've got a month left
1: to go. <laughs> I know you're well, in rally. The time frame is getting smaller, smaller. It's,
2: it's <laughs> From from a, an event or a catalyst standpoint. December sets up to be really aggressive. We have the potential for a budget showdown. OK, that's in the first week of December. We have um, Fed Fund futures are only pricing a 65 percent chance of a raise. I think the Fed is damned if they do, damned if they don't. And then it's going to be a lot of pressure to get a trade deal done before these new tariffs go. So I actually think that this could be the first year since 2008, that the stock market closes down. The S&P is up mm. 2.5% right now. That's not such a bold call, okay, with yeah. I don't know how many days And not left, shocking but, from you. No, but what I'm saying is, is that I think when you consider the catalyst um, and the political rhetoric around all of them, not great. All right,
1: still ahead. Apple fights back. The stock closing just pennies below its 200-day moving average, and one trader says it is the perfect time to buy – he will explain what has him so excited. Plus, as oil bounces. Investors are betting energy stocks are about to get a major boost. We'll tell you how to get in on the action for less than a buck. And later, as we mentioned, NVIDIA having its worst day in a decade. And Dan here says there's another tech stock that could be about to suffer the same fate. He will explain. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money
0: still ahead.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. The Facebook face plan continues. The social media giant under pressure today. It is down more than 8% in November and set to close its third straight month in the red. That would mark its longest monthly losing streak ever. So does Facebook need fresh faces in the C-suite to get it out of its slump? Our Julia Borsten joins us now with more on that. Julia.
7: Well, Melissa, despite some calls for Facebook to separate its CEO and chairman role and to reevaluate management at the top, we are unlikely to see major changes because Mark Zuckerberg controls the company and he expresses support for COO Sheryl Sandberg. Sandberg, CFL analyst Scott Devitt saying, "Quote: excluding a major management change, Facebook is potentially looking at a multi-year reputational turnaround fraught with execution risk. Now, Sandberg denying The New York Times reports of mismanagement, saying, quote, to suggest that we weren't interested in knowing the truth or we wanted to hide what we knew or that we tried to prevent investigations is simply untrue. Now, there are growing calls for regulation. Senator Mark Warner saying he's disappointed with Facebook's management.
3: I think there are ways we can find common ground, but they've got to come to the table. So far what they've, they've said is, yeah, yeah, we want to work with you, but when we get to specifics, um, there's not been a lot of give on their side. The notion that the wild, wild west days of no regulations at all, no guardrails, just can no longer exist.
7: And yesterday, Warner's fellow Democratic Senators Klobuchar, Blumenthal, Kunz and Hirono wrote to the Department of Justice urging an expanded investigation into Facebook and Cambridge Analytica for reportedly, quote, hiring partisan political consultants to spread disinformation about people who have criticized Facebook. But J.P. Morgan's Doug Anmuth tells us he doesn't think the New York Times expose will make regulation more likely and he already is seeing Facebook and others change their business practices to comply with European privacy laws. Melissa, there's a lot of talk that those privacy laws could at least give some guidelines of what we could see here. Back yep. over to you.
1: Julia, thank you, Julia Borson in Los Angeles. So does Facebook need some fresh faces in the C-suite and even if it does need them, is it likely to happen? Julia had quoted this analyst, Scott Devitt, at Stiefel, and ironically, even though he said something to the effect of fraught with executional challenges for multi-year period, whatever, He has an outperform rating on the stock.
2: So here's the deal, and I'll tell you why that is. First of all, there will be no changes. There may be a scapegoat here and there. I'd be very surprised if it's uh, Sheryl Sandberg, and it's not obviously going to be Mark Zuckerberg. So any changes they make are not going to be really particularly impactful. Here's the most important thing. All of a sudden now, he still hasn't outperformed, but expectations for next year have gotten so low that earnings growth is expected to be flat year over year, despite the fact that sales are going to gain 24%, or at least that's what um, analysts think. So it's all the spending to combat all this sort of stuff. That could be way overly pessimistic. And then the stock is way too cheap. Go ahead, Tim. But... Yeah, I mean, look, th- this is a corporate governance story.
5: It's been a corporate governance story for nine months. Dan, you're reading my op-eds on this. The bottom yes, line here is uh, CNBC.com, uh, mo- by the way. The, the CNBC.com, but and more, more importantly, really where people should be going to read this stuff. But the bottom line here is this management team, the, the market is essentially telling you um, where things are going in terms of GDPR and data privacy issues. And and it's, it's existential to their business. And so if you don't think that Facebook doesn't need to make changes or at least to institute some different type of governance. It's interesting that the Times and the Wall Street Journal are now picking up on this, but the market has been telling you this for a long time.
1: This has been a corporate governance story since the company went public. I mean, the share (laughs) structure, the fact that ESG funds all of a sudden now are saying, oh, there's a problem. How are you even invested in a company that has a share structure that allows the CEO and the chairman not to be split at all by shareholder vote or to be replaced? by shareholder vote. Well, I that's mean, a that's,
5: different issue. Yeah. That's a structural issue in terms of the corporate yeah. structure. I agree with you, Mel. I just think that, that the corporate governance, as it's related to data, privacy, communication, how they're handling it, um, it's, you know, it's been anything but proactive. It's been reactive.
4: So I agree that it's an existential problem for him. But in the short term, mm-hmm. I think investors care about what are the costs for GDPR. That's the problem. Nobody knows what number to put on that. Even Facebook themselves have said, hey, we're not sure how much this is going to cost. If that comes to the U.S., what does that cost? If we got some clarity on that, would likely help.
3: Bottom line, Twitter up 40%. On your other show, you did it as well. Twitter's yep. the grown-up in the room. Facebook down 21%. Stay with Twitter.
1: For more on what a possible government crackdown on Facebook could mean for the social giant, you can head over to the aforementioned CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee and this is Fast Money. Here's what else is coming up tonight. Free.
4: Free Apple's free fall straight into bear market territory has one trader buying the stock. He'll tell us why he's betting on a major turnaround. Plus makes me feel good. And so might Coke's next ingredient, pot. We'll tell you what the CEO just said about the cannabis craze and what it could mean for the stock. Much more Fast Money after this.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals specialized across asset classes but united in collaboration our teams provide global and local expertise our investments shape tomorrow today pursue your tomorrow with pgim a leading global asset manager what does it mean to
1: be rich is it having more stories to share or time to give is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away Welcome back to Fast Money. As the cannabis craze goes mainstream, everyone from medical companies to beverage giants are trying to get in on the action. Jim Cramer spoke with the CEO of Coca-Cola about the company's plan for pot.
2: The CBD, Yeah. the way I think about ingredients is the following. Is it legal? Is it safe? And is it consumable? Because they're mm. three different things. Yeah. Is it legal? It's not legal in the US. It it's not even fair. legal for beverages in Canada yet. Is it safe? Science is out. Uh, we want to... We believe our consumers wanna trust us that our beverages are indisputably safe. And therefore we wanna see consensus science built behind any ingredient, whichever one it is. And this is not a, we wanna sell drinks that people can drink each day. So it's not like something you have once. We want it to be able to, you have one a day. And if you can't can't cross those three things of legal, safe and consumable, it's not an ingredient that's gonna work for us.
1: So the CEO sounding a bit apprehensive about the timeline for introducing cannabis coke to the masses or any other cannabis beverage for that matter. Is it further away than investors actually think? Now, Tim, uh, still in Vegas, yes. as we have mentioned, spending the week at a major pot conference doing business. Uh, but in terms of the, the thinking around consumer products and specifically beverages and other edibles, what do you think?
5: Well, Cannabis Conference, Mel, and the bottom line here is what's going on. Look, it doesn't surprise me that the Coke CEO is, you know, basically deferring to a legal environment. Coke Coke is as squeaky squeaky clean as Disney or McDonald's, so um, they have to say this. Um, The bottom line is also, look, CBD beverages uh, are not one-a-day beverages. In fact, you know, what we're learning about uh, the nature of CBD is all the various uses, and certainly those that are non-psychotropic, that Mm -hmm. people would potentially be drinking multiple uh, Cokes a day if they happen to be infused with CBD. Uh, bottom line is the more exciting part of what's going on out here is talk about integrative medicine and where, you know, medical right. e- efic- efficacy is really happening. Now, that's the stuff that I think is pretty
3: exciting. Yeah. I, I, the only problem with cannabis, I own Chronos, I own Canopy. The only problem is the easy money for now seems to have been made. There's a, there was a lot of hurdles. It was midterm elections. It was the Canadian uh, recreational uh, ban being lifted. This is where I think now it's hard chopping wood going forward. I'm remaining long. I think the long term story is intact, but right now it gets a little choppy.
1: All right, for Jim's full interview with the CEO of Coke and much more, you can tune into Mad Money tonight at the top of the hour. All right, time for the final trade. Tim Seymour in Sin City.
3: Yeah, continue like Airlines and continue to like United Airlines, UAL. Steve. I know this has taken a long time to work. Lenar, I'm still long. It will
4: work one day. We're going to build this house together, Lenar. BK. Steve just told you that Twitter's the adult in the room. BK agrees, and you buy that one. Dan Nathan. Uh, Yeah, Apple. Tim said
2: 85, 185. It's really 193. we got a way to play it to the upside on 08, right? That's where it bounced.
1: That's right. All right, Tim. Safe travels back. That does it for us here on Fast. We'll see you back here Monday at 5. Do not move. Options action starts right after this break.